Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. We are recording via the magic of Zoom today on Tuesday, February 28th, because it's Snowmageddon in Ottawa. Yeah, it was just too much. Like the buses were not showing up and then other buses that weren't real buses were showing up, like no numbers or anything. The 13 minute wait time doesn't seem like a lot, but when it's like pounding snow and you can't see, you don't know what's going on and you're confused and probably a little hungry, like it's a lot. Never get on a bus with no numbers. No, it, when there was two in a row, that was the weird thing. I was like, why are they diverting buses but not the real buses that should be there aren't showing up. So this, this is just horrific. And this is bad for right-wing conspiracy theorists because the second we cancel the canal, no skating, yeah. we get hit with a whole bunch of snow and they're going to be like, oh, see, there's no such thing as climate change. Yeah, and it's not even like that cold per se. It's just a lot of snow and we've had to shovel multiple times the last week. And oh God, on the city plows too, like it tends to just become this whole wall <laughs> trying to get out anywhere. And then tomorrow it'll be summertime again. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's supposed to be nice pretty soon. Like, it's basically March. Like, by the time someone were to hear this, it's, well, I was going to say deep into March. But I mean, you know, at least a couple of days. I only noticed this and I just let it slide because I think it's funny. Is we were stamping all of our annual memberships as February 28th, 2024 for people who bought their memberships in February. Mm -hmm. And I realized with the crazy leap year, there's actually going to be 29 days next year. So anybody who comes in and only has a February 28th stamp will be like, nah, you don't get the fake day. Uh, I was hoping it would be like a fun free bonus for everybody involved. Because, you know, we never pay that much attention that hard. People never notice that depending on when you buy your membership, you can actually get closer to 13 months because we're nice and we just kind of stamp it per month. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you get it March 1st, 2023 it's good till march 31st 2024 it's like 13 months and in the 13th month is the best one that's like the halloween yeah. <laughs> month. apart from october but yeah bonus one i ventured in and i got to be grumpy because andrew was going to come in as well and oh, yeah. he canceled right before you canceled and i was like i've got it all ready to go i got the microphone set up everything's good so I did end up doing a couple things around the cinema and then watched a weird movie all by myself on a morning in the cinema, which is the best way to watch a creepy Cronenberg Jr. movie. Yeah, it's too scary. Like most people would probably not like that. But for you, that's just it's just a workplace, right? Like you're just in a it happens to be a creepy old theater, but you know, you could handle it. And I was almost contemplating not watching it, but then I'm like, ah, I'm here anyways. Let's get it out of the way. No, it's good that you said, I mean, I had uh, maybe seen it already, possibly. How dare you? But still, but you got to see the uncut, super gross version. So that's, I mean, and now you've seen it, I guess, too. So you liked it, right? Well, yeah. we're still playing it, so we can't rip on it. I'd be curious with you having seen the, and I mean, and you didn't see the G-rated cut. Like you saw <laughs> a Cronenberg cut of the film. I guess through Canadian standards, even though it's confusing because Ontario doesn't have ratings anymore, mm. I guess you saw the... 18a cut and then what i just watched was the r-rated cut yeah which in the states is the equivalent to nc-17 mm -hmm. and i think it was just and it wasn't one of these things where it wasn't 15 minutes longer it was essentially the same length maybe like a minute longer or something like that yeah but i think that minute was just five seconds here and 10 seconds there of a little bit of extra gore and a little bit of extra x-ratedness yeah for sure but there was stuff in that movie where i was like I can't believe 
what I just saw because a few years ago, this would be people picketing outside and trying to uh, censor everything from a Cronenberg. But, and I love that it's like Telefilm Canada. So it's like our tax dollars at work. <laughs> it's funny because it's got this sort of Cronenberg-esque weird trippy parts or whatever you want to call them, you know? And so like, there's definitely like, there was a sex scene where I was like, I- I'm pretty sure I saw penetration there. Like, I don't, I, maybe I was just imagining it, but I was like, I, I feel like this was a lot more uh, than I expected to see. Yeah, did they sneak that by and yeah. these sensors were squirming and not looking at the screen for a minute or a second? And because like, yeah, ditto. I saw some stuff where I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was like Mandy-esque, almost some of the like trippiness. And then, and then I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What's what's happening now? But I was explaining the movie to Gwen because I don't mind spoiling it because I was like, you're never going to watch this. But she was still interested to hear what it was. And I was like, it's kind of like a don't be rich and a jerk descent into madness kind of horror story Mm -hmm. where you learn the valuable lesson of being rich and a jerk is bad. But say if your parent is a a chef or a teacher Mm -hmm. or an architect, there's all kinds of examples out there, I'm sure, of people following in their parents' footsteps. But Brandon doing this it's so distinct it's hilarious yeah definitely it's not just him directing movies it's him directing movies that if you didn't know you could think were a david cronenberg movie yeah no absolutely like i I was pretty surprised too because like there was a fair amount of people that said this one was a lot more accessible than possessor but like i didn't really have a problem with that like it's not a humble brag but i thought that was pretty straightforward as these things like it wasn't like crazy art house yeah this one's a little bit easier to explain I'm still not sure what Possessor was, even though I've seen it. Yeah. And we both kind of jokingly tried to explain it, but I'm curious where he goes now. It's like one of those things where if Brandon Cronenberg has a kid in 25 years, what the hell is that movie going to be? And I'm equally excited about Anthony Perkins' kid directing the new Cage movie, or one of the new Cage movies, I should say. Because, like, it's apparently the script is quite good. And, I mean, they're going to say that anyways, obviously. But still, like, apparently it's it's looking really good. There was a bidding war for it, and Neon's putting it out. Oh, cool. I know they put out good stuff. I can't remember exactly what. They seem to be all right. They're, like, kind of A24-ish in that way. Yeah, and Mia Goth was amazing. Yeah, she was like, it's it's weird to see her in not a Pearl X-ish type thing. Well, even as as a blonde, I was just sort of like, oh man, acting, you know? Like it, was, it just really like her character was so different from the other stuff she's been in. Did she have something before Pearl or was that her big screen debut unknown breakthrough? Like, I, I think she'd been in some stuff. I remember looking at some point and being like, oh, okay. And it was a couple of, you know, random things, but that was obviously her big break. I want to say she was in something kind of like the in crowd or like a scream four ish type thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody kind of slightly more mainstream to get a hold of her. Cause it'd be very curious because right now, strangely, she's doing movies that a portion of the population won't watch because they're horror films, but everybody loves her. Every critic thinks she's great. So mm-hmm. sooner or later, she's going to show up in, slightly more mainstream drama or something you know it's ironic i was going to mention how possessor it's not like a Lars von trier or something like that you know super weirdness and, and then it turns out that she was actually in nymphomaniac volume two before oh, wow. she was an ex so it's like oh you know what it's like to work with a director who's kind of you know we'll say kooky i guess yeah it's one of those ones where i don't know if this is an insult or a compliment but it's like oh i'm very glad i watched it and it was a very well done scary movie but I'll never watch it again. <laughs> yeah, like I was looking forward to seeing it a second time just to because it's it's a lot, as you know. But it's also like very pretty. Like the locales are amazing. and It's never boring. Like he, he no. always finds a way to make a shot of almost like nothing look interesting. 
And I didn't know anything about the plot. And maybe I won't say anything in case somebody's listening who still wants to go see it or is still going to watch it. But I, very funny, didn't know anything. I knew it was a creepy Cronenberg movie. Mm -hmm. So when the kind of, let's say, fantastical elements kick in, and they kick in so with this this tinge of normalness, as if somebody's just getting a, a speeding ticket. Yeah. So hilarious. And there is this dark comedy kind of around it, but really dark comedy. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, so that, again, we're talking about something in the Mayfair past, which always happens because we see something and then talk about it the next week. But it's funny, I, I'm sure we will screen, what is it, Maxine? Mm-hmm. And that's something that maybe down the line I think would be fun to screen as a three-week film fest. Show it three weekends in a row over a Halloween month or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we did – well, wait, did, we did do the Fear Street ones, did we not? Or was that just a, a, a separate memory that I'm thinking of? No, that's you hallucinating that we watched during – lockdown oh right okay yeah, <laughs> yeah i was like i knew that we had watched it and i was like oh please tell me we actually showed that but it doesn't make a lot of financial sense but yeah that's that was an example of like a like a quote-unquote trilogy you know or well literal trilogy that turned out really well and oh and yeah yeah it's kind of its own thing you know so that was cool that we and nobody else got to see that in yeah the theater. so over the weekend i i was uh, i had a table i was a guest at this really cool little comic-con called the orleans comic and novelty show Ooh. It's great. It's kind of like things are shifting back. It's almost the way like some kids today don't want to look at screens when they get home and they're actually reading books or actually popping an audio cassette in a Walkman or whatever. Mm -hmm. So this was an old fashioned con with no admission price, booksellers, toy sellers, some crafty people, a few local artists and just free to get in. So it really felt like the good old days of a Comic Con and saw some Mayfair folks there. And technically I was invited as a Mayfair table, but I was like, what the hell am I going to do with a table for the Mayfair? So yeah. I split the table with a friend of mine who has art to sell, a comic artist. And then on my half of the table, I just kind of randomly, almost like our lockdown stuff, I brought some, some marquee tiles and some 35 millimeter trailers and some room DVDs. And then I had my comics to sell as well and actually sold one room DVD and some membership passes and gave out some flyers. So still super fun. Sold a couple of my comic books, which I always get so humbled by because I'm like, wait a minute, you're not my friend or mom. You don't have to buy my book. And I was just hoping you had like some Thor back issues that they sold. And they're like, oh, we want to buy your comics. And you're like, wow, the ones I wrote? They're like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, that little pile over there. And one person was nice enough to send me a little Facebook message and say they read it and thought it was really good. And so, yeah, that's that's very nice. When you're a little indie comic book writer, every little sale, we're not selling a million copies of the book. So when we sell a copy here and there, it's all very nice. But we had people asking about the Mayfair. And it's funny, I never understand why people don't get that Everybody asks, are you going to play my favorite movie? And the answer is always shrug, I don't know. Because somebody asked if we were going to play Conan the Barbarian. And I said, well, you know, we show retro 80s movies at times. I have no idea where it stands with distribution, if it's available. But I'm sure it will appear on our screen sooner or later. And the guy who asked wasn't angry, but you could tell he was kind of displeased that I couldn't give him like a, yes, we will screen your movie for you. Yeah, we never know. I mean, it's just like the amount of cocaine bear stuff that you're being asked about at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Which we will hopefully play. Like, people are asking me, too. And I was like, well, I mean, I hope they I'd rather watch it there. So, I mean, we'll see. It's so funny because I don't want to wish it ill will, but it's almost a movie like that not doing well makes it easier for us to get a hold of mm -hmm. because the multiplexes dump it. If it does really well and it's in the multiplex for three months or whatever, it might be a little harder depending on its going to tv deal but mm -hmm. 
but it really is. It is always a, I don't know. And so <laughs> maybe, and I can understand some people getting frustrated because like, if you ask a bookstore, are you getting the new Stephen King book? The answer is yes. If you ask us, are you getting the new Stephen King movie? We don't know. We don't have the power to just screen whatever we want, which I think some people think we do, but mm -hmm. we don't. So maybe I'm sure Conan will show up sooner or later, but who's to say? We want to be showing nothing but Stephen King movies, but that doesn't work either. So it's, it's a give and take. Yeah, if we could screen whatever we want, there'd be way more Jackie Chan movies and Sam Raimi movies and movies you never heard of. And instead, we kind of share that with more mainstream stuff and profitable stuff. Yeah, I was telling Lee about cinema this past weekend, and he was like, well, because I was, you know, I, I like the two a month idea, but that's just because I'm really uh, selfish, I guess. That yeah, really yeah, yeah. Like, it's more fun. But then, because you never know, like late February, the turnout was good, but it's just, you always think it could be a little more if it wasn't freezing and, you know, the end of February. So yeah. he, he was like, oh, yeah, I only have one planned for March. And he almost seemed like that he thought I'd be disappointed. But I was like, hey, it's it's one more than none, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's just, I just, I love those. Yeah. And there was actually, there was a guy who came to the last one and Andrew was like, oh, you, you know, it's a uh, free for members but you need to have your membership pass and he's like I, I, i've got one but it's at home and so there was sort of an awkward pause and he's yeah. like i can get my roommate to text me a picture of it and then andrew was like oh, i don't know and then i was like no that'd be good and then have the guy sign a paper in front of us and we can compare <laughs> it and like have make it be a fun thing andrew ended up trusting him and letting him in like i would have oh my god you come all the way there and it's not really something worth making up i find for the most part like it's probably they're telling the truth yeah i would guess maybe a couple times a year someone's a jerk and sneaks in but any Anytime somebody's surprised that we don't have an usher on hand or when somebody says that, we're like, OK, we trust you. We'll give you the membership price mm -hmm. is if you want to rip off <laughs> a 90 year old independent cinema that's scraping to get by at any given time, you're a bad person anyhow. Yeah. So you're the one going to hell, not us. Yeah, yeah, the karmic retribution was coming, you know, for that $3 or whatever you say. Yeah, like, can you imagine somebody walking into Black Squirrel Books and stealing a book? I can't imagine. No. I can't imagine. No, even if there's a free comic book day, I, I feel like a lot of people are like, is it okay for me to take this? Oh, yeah, and it's something like free comic book day which is my favorite holiday of the year i'm always sure to buy something to kind of support the store because i'm sure there's people who go into a comic store once a year grab 20 free comics on free comic book day and are like see you next year yeah and that's not cool the whole thing of free comic book day is supposed to be supporting stores and supporting the industry and having fun but buy a shirt while you're there buy some pokemon cards buy something yeah. while you're in the comic store Oh, there's always something in there, especially like there's some cool horror merch. I mean, there's got 60s Batman shirt for sure. So, I mean, you can't lose. Oh, it's so funny. I was just explaining to somebody today. The long and short of it is a student asked if they could come in because they were doing a project writing about the Mayfair. And it's one of those things that's so nice, but we get so many requests. I do an interview with a student newspaper seemingly like once every two weeks or so. But it's nice. There's a nice karma wheel to it. Somebody will read it or they'll say nice things about the Mayfair. Yeah. So I had a teacher and a kid come in today and just gave him a little tour trying to explain to them digital versus film as much as some people are film purists and we would love to show more stuff on film, but it just simply doesn't exist. Whether you're the new, say some little movie like the Outwaters or a big movie like the Fablemans, we don't have the option. We can't be like, okay, checkbox number two, send us a film print. They're just not there. Mm -hmm. But I use the example of Batman 66, where we screened what I think was an actual 50 year old print for Batman 66 50th anniversary in 2016 
and it was super fun, but it was beat up. There was scenes missing, the sound was bad, the color was faded, but it's fun to watch the print, and the audience had a good sense of humor. So I said, then a couple years later, I believe it was for Batman's 80th anniversary, we screened Batman 66 as a digital restoration. Yeah. And, oh boy, it blew my mind. It was just like watching it the first day. So it's hard to argue, especially with the reality of if you have a beat-up film print versus digital, it's hard to not lean towards the future in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and especially that's not even taking into account like shipping costs and logistics and who owns what physically, let alone what studio owns something. And I was explaining now, like now a lot of what we do is it's what torrenting was actually made for. Torrenting wasn't made for pirates to steal stuff online. It was made for sending big files if you're a company to make use of. And in this case now, we have a digital projector, we have super duper internet, and we have a few devices that a studio now, and I think we're really leaning towards everything is like this, because for a while we'd be sent hard drives, but it seems fewer and fewer are being sent, and now it's all digital download. Yeah. We get trailers like that, we get the movies like that, and you can't help but be like, wow, this is a lot easier than carrying film reels up a flight of stairs. Yeah, I can't imagine that just, and that went on for so long of the Mayfair's lifespan, you know, like just there would have been a Josh or an Eric or both probably that had to lug all this stuff upstairs and back down again. And it was within our Mayfair lifetime because we took over in 2009. And for the first few years, if you were working on a Wednesday and God, say it was a busy week, say there was five films. That's 10 canisters that are heavy. You would take them and you would take two at a time to kind of balance yourself out and take them all the way downstairs, put them all the way in the lobby. It was, uh, it was not fun. No, no. I'm, I'm glad that I missed out on that part. Of this. <laughs> yeah. Worked out well. Oh, and at the con, I got, there was a bunch of pocketbooks on sale for three bucks a piece. And I got the new Halloween movie novelization. Oh, wow. I could be wrong, but I think novelizations went away for a long time. Yeah, for the most part. Now it seems everybody's making them. You know, a lot of them are expanded as well. Like I know the like the Last Jedi one, actually Rise of Skywalker as well, apparently is better than the movie, which I guess insert laugh track for some people, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the Halloween ones have extra scenes and stuff, I think. And I think in the good old days, it was really just like, here you go, write a Gremlins novelization. Okay, what do I have for source material? Uh, a rough draft of the script and some photos. <laughs> they would have no supervision, and you would kind of just write, there might be a cut scene. The Gremlins one is infamous because it just rams in this subplot that the Gremlins are from outer space. Yeah. Which is nowhere mentioned in the movie at all. That was just done because nobody cared. They're like, is it 300 pages and it mentions Gremlins and we could put a poster on the front? Yep, there you go. Yeah, people will buy it regardless of what it is. Uh, at least it's good for some laughs, <laughs> worst of all. A friend asked me, why do I like novelizations? And I had to think for a second and I'm like, you know, it's nostalgia, but it's also of the time when before the internet, before the boom of video stores and DVDs and Blu-rays, you couldn't watch whatever you want whenever you wanted. So if you had a comic book adaptation or trading cards or a novelization, that was the way you relived the movie. If you want to relive Return of the Jedi again because you didn't own a Blu-ray player and you couldn't stream it on Disney Plus back in 1983. So I think it's something like that. But yeah, I'm a sucker for novelizations. And especially if I go into a store and they're selling a bunch for a dollar a piece, I'll just buy them all. 
Yeah, no, some of the best is like I still have a couple of the 45s that came out for Star Wars trilogy with the little record and stuff and the little book. Those are so cool. Yeah, and the voices are not close for most of them. Vader, especially, he's like, tear this ship apart until you find those plans. (laughs) That's what, who, it wasn't even a good David Prowse, let alone a good James Earl Jones. And again, I think they were just knocking them out so fast nowadays lucasfilm i'm sure goes over the comic books and goes over the audio books and everything like that back then it was just the wild west and i think they're just like go do it yeah what's darth vader sound like i don't know <laughs> doesn't even matter well because they have those it was in uh, the uk they had done those radio program versions of them that are like oh, yeah very well regarded and lauded and stuff but like also different not quite the same as the movies were and the voices are probably not all spot on i would think Yeah, I like that era, too. Yeah, all three Star Wars movies had full-on, old-timey radio shows. And you listen to them, and it really feels like time travel. It feels like it should be from something from the 50s or something, like listening to The Lone Ranger or Superman on the radio or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, as we're rambling here, we always talk too much, especially on Zoom, because then the Zoom robot comes on, and because we're cheap and we're just doing this on the free, the Zoom robot will come on and be like, you have five minutes. And we're like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it happens too quick. So we have to actually talk about things that are playing. Yeah, so let us chat about the movies playing the week of Friday, March 3rd, 2023, here at the Mayfair. So we're still in Oscar season. I think we'll have one more episode still before the Oscars hit. We have a trio of Oscar nominees. We have Living coming back for a third week, which I'm a big fan of. That was a real great movie. Yeah. Then we have Fablemans coming back for a second week. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm seeing it this weekend at the Mayfair. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I want to know, was there ever a spot where they were like, yeah, it's going to be called The Spielbergs? Because it's 100% his story, but I guess by changing the name, he can don't let truth get in the way of a good story. So maybe he kind of changed some things around, changed some dates around, that kind of thing. From what everyone says, it is the Spielberg story. Well, maybe he could just put in some funny lines that didn't really happen. And then if his, his parents could be like, hey, you know, and he's like, no, no, that was the Fablemans that said that. The Spielbergs never said that. My only disappointment is I think it's about young Spielberg. So we don't have... If there was a sequel, which I doubt, but I would love to see more of him meeting George Lucas and him directing Night Shift. I would love to see that kind of era of this kid just doubling his way into movie history. Yeah, and then the third movie would be him doing the BFG. Yeah, the third movie is him (laughs) and Michael Bay doing Transformers movies. Oh my god. Yeah, I would watch that. That's a good trilogy. (laughs) Yeah, it would be a real good, like rags to riches and then selling out story i'm here for it (laughs) yeah okay so living and fableman's returning for encore screenings and then we are shocked that we have the ottawa premiere of two leslie oh man which is nominated for best actress and a lot of people were real naysayers and were like oh this is a little art house movie that no one saw why did it get a nomination and i'm like she played mandy she's a real actress yes she was so good in that i mean even though She wasn't in the whole movie, no spoilers, but for the parts that she's in, she was excellent. I read a bit about it, and I might be getting this wrong, but I think the controversy was they campaigned, and they got some celebrities, some friend of friends of the filmmaker or some of the actors in the movie, to go on social media and say nice things about Two Leslie, and that garnered them more attention, and that got them more nominations, and then there was an argument that maybe people were voting who didn't see the movie. I think that's what the controversy is, but... People always campaign for movies and bigger movies buy billboards and send out Blu-rays to people or little gift baskets or have screenings, rent out cinemas and have screenings and invite people. So 
I don't know. And as kind of being a naysayer to the movie, maybe these people actually did watch the movie and actually really liked it. So there's always no-budget small movies that kind of creep into an Oscar nomination every once in a while. Yeah, even Terrifier 2 tried, but, you know, yeah, <laughs> they that's weren't funny. ready for that. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a uh, a bit of a heavy drama, but I hear it's also kind of a redemption piece and a really great character and deserved of its praise. And it's nice because in this case, we get the auto premiere, which is a nice thing for us. And I'm sure a lot of people, this movie would have passed them by, will now see it. And that is the argument for an Oscar ceremony as much as i don't like awards is that well this will bring some attention to this little movie so yeah which helps all of us especially the maybe <laughs> yeah so then non-oscar nominated films we have the ottawa premiere of the outwaters oh. which looks to be the new kind of found footage blair witch <laughs> kind of thing yeah, it's the skinnamarink of this week. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, it's a little bit more art house than Blair Witch, but it is still of that ilk. Mm -hmm. And I hear really great things about it. The filmmakers tweeted a little thing basically saying, watch this on the biggest screen you can, put away your phone, pay attention, it pays itself off. I retweeted that and I said, listen to the filmmakers, but also that's kind of everything. Like whether yeah, you come true. to see a comedy or a horror movie or a cartoon, uh, just pay attention to the movie. Yeah. Go to see the movie in the biggest screen you can find. And that pays me as the filmmaker. So I'm yeah. like, hey, wait a minute, you're biased. But I agree. At the Mayfair, you're not likely to see people on their phones. So, I mean, this is, I mean, God, like this is a hard movie to see regardless of where you see it. So it's pretty awesome that we were able to get it. Yeah. And I hear it's like kind of a slow burn, but very well done. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I'm okay with a movie where nothing happens for a while and there's a big payoff. So mm -hmm. I love Blair Witch and I totally understand that Blair Witch is one of those movies that is not for everybody, but I was all in. Yeah. You know, by the time I saw it, I knew that it wasn't real. And, and so there was like that element was lost on it. So, I mean, I think I, I really hyped it up hard at the time. And so I saw it and then it gets going and then it ends. So for me, I'm like, I don't know, I hate to be one of those people because it's not, I don't need everything handed to me, but I just hyped it up so hard in my own head that by the time I saw it, I was like, well, nothing could have survived that. I saw it at the now sadly extinct World Exchange mini multiplex. Mm. And I'll never forget this, that my friend and I were sitting there, the credits were rolling and two ladies walked past us. And one of them, I am 99% sure not making a joke, said to the other one, I can't believe they would release a documentary like that. <laughs> And I kind of double-taked, and they walked past me, and I was like, wow, it worked. <laughs> and I worked at a video store at the time, or soon after that. And again, I don't think this person was joking. Somebody phoned and said, can you settle an argument? We just watched Blair Witch Project, and my friend thinks it's real, and I don't think it's real. I didn't rub it in, but I'm like, didn't you see the part at the end where there's credits where it lists the actors? But maybe <laughs> they turned around at that minute or turned off the DVD at that moment, but... Yeah, my thought was always like, they're never going to release this if people actually died. So it's hard for me to get, okay, I mean, it's you're supposed to shut your brain off and stuff, but my brain is too, it's working all the time, you know, I can't stop. Outwaters is similar where I think though, instead of a forest, it's the desert, but it's somebody goes for a walk through the desert. Somebody, maybe it's like a Grand Canyon kind of thing. I don't know. And then they get lost and then stuff goes horribly wrong. So, yeah, hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. Hooray. And then our last film this week is the cult classic Frankenhooker. Oh, of course, of course. Which is getting a release 
because I was confused because I saw this was a trauma release and I was like, I didn't think this was a trauma movie, but trauma bought a bunch of movies recently from some distributor. And this was one of them. So it is a newly branded trauma film and it's being released through our friends at the American genre film archive. And this is from the director of basket case, which we screened a little while ago. Frank Henenlotter. He had quite a run. Yeah, brain damage as well, like which is not dissimilar to Basket Case in some ways. And Frankenhooker had a couple of things that caught the pop culture eye. One is, for some reason, Bill Murray got quoted. And I think the quote is like, if you see one movie this year, it should be Frankenhooker. <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. So that got a lot of attention. That got onto the VHS box. And I, I think it was just one of the filmmakers asked him for a quote and he jokingly said that what's your movie called kind of laughed and said there you go and the vhs tape had a talking vhs box kind of like you know when you get those birthday cards or christmas cards and you open it up and it sings a song or whatever yeah so the vhs box did that with a couple quotes from the film and i totally remember it i remember holding it in my hand when it was at west coast video back in the day yeah, it was a, that was a legendary VHS box. And like I, I had never actually seen the movie. And then, uh, like, we watched Basket Case, geez, months ago now, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, like, then that got me watching the second one, the third one, or whatever, which actually was a lot better than I expected. I'd never seen the third one. But, yeah, then I was going to watch Frankenhooker, and I just, like, I had to be in the mood. I just, I don't know, I needed something a little more, like, serious, I guess, at the time. But <laughs> it was just, it is not. So, it's, it's called Classic, super fun. But, yeah, it was like, you know, I put it off, and now we're playing it theater. So it worked out, I guess. This kind of stuff is so fun to see because it really makes you feel like you're at a grindhouse in New York City in the 80s watching this weird movie that you can't see anywhere else on the big screen especially it's so much fun absolutely no it's uh it's gonna be a blast at the i was gonna say at the Mayfair theater i mean yes that would be the place so yeah come out so yeah so that is our movies for the week of friday march 3rd 2023 recently the other day i got a head start which is always nice because lee had this program done so four or five days ago i already had it online the advanced ticket set up the flyer made up so I, I had a bit of a head start which meant i spent yesterday just catching up on all these movies we have coming out so i made the poster for our slideshow and listed it on our website and put it on social media so it's quite the list we have the thing big lebowski pulp fiction and clockwork orange all coming up in march and april and those four films are because the distributor is going through some stuff lee could explain it better but the distributor might not have these films available for the foreseeable future because of various behind the scenes red tape so lee's just going through and being like gotta screen that gotta screen that gotta screen that (laughs) so we're gonna have a good run of movies that some distributor might not have the rights to anymore and then it might go through movie rights limbo and then we shall see but so yeah so these four movies the thing big lebowski pulp fiction clockwork orange if you want to see them i'm not just saying this because we want your money but see them now because they might get vaulted we're not sure so yeah and big lebowski was like a perennial classic for us around 420 yeah and somebody already asked me aren't you screening at 420 and we're like we're screening it now just in case we're not able to screen it on 420 so who knows what the next couple of months holds for this distributor but just in case we got to do it now because it might not be available next week yeah no well then hey all the more reason to come out (laughs) yeah and then what else we booked the quiet man 
which is an old John Wayne movie that is being screened by the Irish Embassy of Ottawa. Oh, nice. A couple of fundraising screenings. One is Mamma Mia and one is The Sound of Music. Both of those are sing-alongs. Another round of The Room, Rocky Horror, and as we mentioned, Saturday Night Cinema. And then Impulse, this weird William Shatner movie from the 70s. Oh, yeah, that's going to be good. So, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. You can find out more information about these and other upcoming films at MayfairTheater.ca. And as I say every week, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, which is still still there. You know, a couple months ago, we thought Twitter might be gone by now, but we're still there using it as a publicity tool, even if we don't agree with the boss in charge. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. So thanks for listening, and we will see you soon at the Mayfair Theater for a bunch of cool movies. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, I finally finished watching every Cage movie. Oh, my God. I did it all 113 or whatever we're up to before stuff comes out. That's a lot of Cage. Yeah, I know. I feel like I, I need like a medal or something now, but really, I should probably just watch something that he's not in. You'll have four more to watch within the next week. horrified by the motion picture Frankenstein. In 1935, horror turned to terror with the bride of Frankenstein. In 1990, the makers of Basket Case and Brain Damage bring you... Want a date? Frankenhooker. Jeffrey Franken has a plan. I just want to bring him back He has the ingenuity. I need female body parts. He has everything he needs, except the raw materials. Hold still. Jeffrey's creation is alive. Looking for some action? Oh, yes. She's sexy. On a date, you're going out? I'm on my way home, but uh, thanks anyway. I... And she's sutured to please. Listen, I'm looking for a very tall, attractive woman. She's purple. She's got fresh stars on her. She's in the bar. Now, a motion picture like no other. Ah! A tender story of love and romance. On a date? A gripping tale of lust and revenge. Incredible. Some assembly may be required.